Hello and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, I'm joined by the host of the Netflix podcast, it's Nick Meir. Nick joins me for what is the second superhero-based topic of the year in the form of Guardians of the Galaxy. Going from a really obscure set of comic book characters to one of the most recognisable and iconic heroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Guardians have experienced an incredible rise to fame. And this is, of course, in no small part thanks to the incredible work done by James Gunn and his team across three movies, the most recent of which was released a few weeks ago. Myself and Nick had an absolute blast talking about these films and these characters and just what it is exactly about them that has made such an impact. This does, of course, mean that myself and Nick get into full spoilers for the recent release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So if you have not yet seen that film and you don't want anything spoiled, then make sure you pause the podcast around the 45 minute mark. I do also get a little help from Groot himself to give you a warning, but that's there. I'm saying it here now so you don't moan at me or Nick for spoiling anything. If you haven't seen it yet already, I of course encourage you to change that immediately before listening to this podcast. And I really hope that you do, because honestly, it was so much fun talking to Nick, as you'll hear. There's just so many great points brought out by him in this episode. And I just want to go and rewatch all of the films right away after chatting with him about this. And I'm sure you guys will feel the same way, too. So with all that said, let's just get to it. This is Guardians of the Galaxy with Nick Mead. Hello, Nick, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Uh, thank you for having me on this, well, this morning for me and this afternoon for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's lovely, man. It's, uh, it's always fun working with people, especially with time zones. But yeah, I'm sort of getting used to it now. And it's, it's a pleasure to have you on, really, especially to chat about, I think, a really diverse and interesting superhero topic. You're the second one I've had this year. And yeah, we're here to talk Guardians, man. So I'm going to throw it straight over to you, Nick. Uh, what was your introduction to Guardians of the Galaxy? So I, uh, I didn't grow up reading comics like a lot of people who like the MCU movies where maybe that's how you got introduced. So that's kind of how I got introduced mm -hmm. to a lot of superheroes. And um, I just remember in 2013 seeing this article and they're like, oh, uh, Marvel's greenlit this this not known property called the guardians of the galaxy. And I wasn't like a space guy. I wasn't really into star Wars at that time either. So I was like, huh, this, this is interesting. And, uh, and then I was a big Bradley Cooper fan and he was coming off of like mm. silver linings playbook, which I love that movie. And he was starting to get all mm -hmm. these leading roles and they're like, Oh, he's going to voice a character in it. And I was like, Oh, cool. And they're like, yeah, he's going to be a, a talking <laughs> raccoon. And I'm like, Oh, I love raccoons, but I'm like, that sounds bizarre as heck. So, um, <laughs> you know, and then I kept seeing they're like, oh, they they casted the chubby guy from Parks and Rec and Chris Pratt. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting and like mm -hmm. and then as a wrestling fan, Dave Batista, what I was a big fan of his. And when he retired from wrestling, I was like, oh, he's going off to act. I'm like, I don't know if I see him as an actor. I mean, you know, these big dudes, you're kind of limited to what roles are believable. And um and so I, you know, I waited and that first trailer came out and I was like, I was blown away by it because I didn't know what to expect because it's it's funny. Yeah. But also the teaser trailer gives really nothing about the movie. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, I went and saw it. It's opening weekend with my uh, at then uh, at the time fiance and my kid brother who uh, this was before you could like save seats. So it was like, OK, we just got there, found our seats. And from like the first 10 minutes on, I just was like, OK, this movie's for me. When when come and get your love played, I was like, yep, this is my movie. I've, I've been waiting a long time for a movie like this. Yeah, I tell you, man, I. I agree wholeheartedly. I think my introduction was very similar to yours, actually, with the Guardians. As um, I'm sure, like yeah, like yourself, a lot of us, even avid comic book readers, I get the impression weren't necessarily aware of who the Guardians were. You know, I, I'm sure there are some more hardcore comic book fans that probably did, but yeah, you're right. That first trailer, all the concept art, everything that came out about it, just screamed different, yeah. and it was kind of like okay, and. Correct me if I'm wrong, because man, the MCU is just a juggernaut now. But didn't it come out around the same time as like Winter Soldier and stuff like that? It actually that? came out, I believe it was, I think Winter Soldier was November and this was August. So, it, mm. and, and it was coming out after like a lot of people had predicted this was going to be the MCU's first like flop where they're like, it's not going to make any money. Yeah. And, I mean, this is when. Even the MCU in 2014, superhero movies weren't making over. I mean, very few were making over 100 million in their opening weekend. It's funny now, people are like, "Oh, mm -hmm. you only made 120 million in your <laughs> opening weekend? That's a flop." It's like that's like 99% of any other movie would be like, "Oh, please God, let us make that in our whole theatrical run, let alone in one opening weekend." But yes. it, um, I remember it like it was just shy of 100 million its opening weekend, and everyone was like, "Oh my God!" But it was the word of mouth too. And I think it came out. So there's um, not to get sidetracked, but there's a great documentary on Disney plus called uh, the uh, um, okay. It's, it's about the making of the star Wars trilogy uh, empire of dreams. And they talk about how star Wars mm -hmm. came out at like the right time. Cause if it would have came out too early, it's considered a campy movie. And if it comes out too late, it's too kiddish then. And it's like, it had to like come out in the seventies right after Vietnam was ending and the country was really depressed in the US. Um, and I feel like Guardians mm -hmm. came out at the right time because there hadn't been a Star Wars movie in almost a decade. And and, and it was really the only no. like space mm. opera type movie. So I think it it it's funny how sometimes these movies just have everything line up when everything looks like it's gonna fail. Because the original Star Wars was like that. No one thought it was gonna be Fox completely gave george lucas every right in the world for that movie because they're like ah, it's gonna be a flop we're not yep. whatever it's gonna be a little space movie yep. and i feel like guardians was the same way i think it was one where it was easy to be cynical because the mcu was just taking off mm -hmm. and it was like okay now you're you're too cocky now that you're gonna try one of your d list because like you mm. said the no one really knew unless you were like a hardcore marvel fan no one knew who the guardians were they were not a popular group mm. at all because in the comics they weren't even this group that is in the movie wasn't together till like 2008. Like it was, yeah. it was a really late in their like, um, in their like additions where this group actually got together. And I think rocket has only been in like before the movie came out, like 10 total comic issues. So like he wouldn't like rocket raccoon, mm -hmm. which is now one of the most popular characters in the MCU was nothing. So it really is like uh, mm -hmm. not rags to riches, but it's like one of those underdog stories that it's easy to root for the first movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's one where I just think its timing was perfect because it is right before they started the new mm. sequel trilogy for Star Wars. So people were kind of earning for like that 
Star Wars y feel for a movie. And I think Guardians has it, but in its yeah. own in its own way. It's not like a cut and paste. Let's just try to make Star Wars for the MCU. Yeah, I do I try and completely agree. Yeah, it's um it has the feel, but as you say, it's it's not in, in any way trying to rip it off and yeah, I mean, I'm with you. That opening night had this exact same feeling of watching this going, okay, I have no idea what to expect. I'm, sh- you know, I've, I was vaguely aware of James Gunn. He's he's a sort of director that I wouldn't normally gravitate towards, um, but knew who he was, knew he was kind of an indie filmmaker. Thought, well, this will be interesting at the very least. And was, yeah, just blown away at just how mm-hmm. much fun it was, man. And like you say, I think what's really telling about it, and we can obviously get more into this in subsequent films, I think the use of that soundtrack, particularly like the opening song in all three films, is so good at setting the tone. And that first one, oh. it's just fun. It's just yeah. Chris Pratt dancing to an absolute tune and having the best time. And it just sets up that tone, doesn't it, for the film of like, this is going to be an adventure. This is going to be funny and stupid and out there. And I think it just kind of, I don't know, I don't know about you. It felt like it kind of calmed me down a bit in the cinema just to be like, oh, this is going to be... Yeah. Fun. I mean, oh, for I'm sure, for and especially because it, it hits you in the gut right away with the way the movie starts. Is you're like, yeah, poor kids watching his mom die, and you're like, oh, this is not what mm. I thought this movie was gonna be. He gets abducted by aliens, and yes. you're like, oh man, I I was not really sure. And then you you know they get to the planet, and you're like, oh, this is interesting. It's like a wiped out planet, and then as soon as come and get your loves play, you're like, okay, this this is gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. It's it. This was like we're going to set up this character with something terrible, but you, cause you need to know it. And I think like for me personally, yes. it's funny between guardians uh, now volume one and two, uh, the soundtracks, I had mm-hmm. so many of those songs on burnt CDs that I made in high school, which was like, Oh, six through Oh eight, <laughs> like making these CDs. So I think like half the first soundtrack and about four songs on the second one, I already had on CD. So for me, it was like, Oh my God, they're playing um go all the way by the raspberries and come and get your love it was like oh my god i'm like i love these i can't (laughs) believe someone's using these songs in a movie so um yeah it's it was one of those Mm. like good swings by marvel to be like the worst case scenario if the movie tanks then we just write them off because you didn't need the guardians to be part of the avengers world you could have their own separate um you know little universe kind of and and it it, also the first movie what's so great is because you're not knowing what their future is the you felt like at any point any of them Mm -hmm. could die you know there's the point when when drax i thought he was going to get killed uh same thing with rocket i mean Groot basically does um you know he does the big sacrifice Mm -hmm. which Shows you kind of the credit to the movie because I had tears in my eyes at that part when he does the We Are Groot. I'm like, oh, my Mm. God, how did you make me feel emotional about a Vin Diesel's talking tree that says one sentence? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it it just uh, it it was just one of those really unique. And I think it was good for the comic book industry, too, to have something that Mm. wasn't a well-known property, because even like DC, you really only had Batman Mm. movies. They tried Green Lantern, which was a fail. and They'd done Mm -hmm. Superman's always been a hard one to to put on screen. And um, so I think it was important that the Guardians, not just for the MCU, but for superhero movies in general or TV shows, you know, I feel like the boys and some of these other shows, which are a little more hardcore, a lot of them could thank the Guardians for like getting that audience of like, yeah, we want something that's not just Batman, X-Men, 
you know, the, the bigger name uh, comic book heroes. Oh, yeah, I'd fully agree with that. It definitely opened the way for more, I think, just stranger stories and, and interesting characters. I mean, as you say, like, you get a talking tree and a talking raccoon <laughs> and, you know, a bunch of aliens and cyborgs and all this in the mix of it. And you just fall in love with them. You just you, There's no kind of disconnect from any of the characters because they're so well written and performed. And it's so nicely put together, as you say, you just buy into that world. So I think you're right. It definitely opened up, definitely opened up Marvel more. And it definitely opened up others, superhero stuff to kind of go like, yeah, you can be a bit weirder. You can mm -hmm. do the strange stuff and take risks and just, I think ultimately just have fun. And I guess talking about the first film, I mean, the, the story is quite straightforward as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's pretty bare bones in that way. You know, you've got your bad guy, he wants to destroy this planet and They've got to get together, assemble the team, pull off a heist and save the day. And it's it's a very straightforward story. And I think because of that, you then get the chance to get to know the characters and buy into their journey. Yeah, it's it's almost it's it's very much like the first Star Wars. There, there's not like right. some crazy. And, and I think that's important because I think a lot of times people think you have to be like. The story has to be so crazy and out there for like a first ever movie. And a lot of times it's like, man, the more straightforward you are, if you make good characters, the story doesn't have to be a mind bender of like, oh, my God, what's this crazy thing they're doing? It's like if you have good characters, you could just do a simple story. Like you said, it's this guy wants this stone to wipe out a whole planet. They're trying to save this planet. Mm -hmm. and, and they're not the much like Luke Skywalker. And Han Solo, they're not like the typical heroes, um, you know, like you said. And really, they're not even superheroes. That's kind of what's cool about it is none of them are like mm. they're, you know, they're not like Thor or Captain America. They're 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 regular is, you know, in air quotes, because, you know, they're some of them are aliens who could fight and other ones is, uh, you know, a, a raccoon that could talk that's been genetically enhanced. But like they're not they're. They're like bad guys, but they're not really bad guys. It's almost like they've all been dumped on in life. So they're just making the best of of what they can. But but it's it's almost like you have a movie full of Han Solos where you're like, OK, he's not really a good guy. They have to become a good guy eventually, you know. So, yeah, I just think it's um, I mean, really, you could think like this movie, especially if you're like the Suicide Squad. I don't think those movies would have ever been considered if this movie was a flop. So, no, it's just it's it's not. I think, like you said, I think the straightforwardness of the first one's a lot of fun, and um, and it's one that I think people could have taken for granted and ended up not. I mean, like I said, it's probably one of the most well regarded of the of the, especially of the MCU movies. Yeah, I, I feel like often I hear people say, and I, and I kind of agree with this. And I wonder what your sentiments are. That it's one of their favorite, if not their favorite, MCU movie. I hear that's thrown around a lot, it's, and yeah. Yeah, I, I can kind of get on board with that, to be honest. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, here, I'll just give you a quick insight since it's the first time we've gotten to do a podcast together. My my top yeah. three favorite movies. Number one, Goodfellas, all-time favorite. It's been my favorite my whole life. Number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. It is just a movie that I rewatch a ton. And then Jaws is my third, which is why for like, I know you've worked with Sarah Buttery before. Yes. I, I had yeah. to get on their podcast. I'm like, oh, my God, a podcast that's just dedicated to Jaws. Just sign me up. Uh, so, yeah. So <laughs> I feel like my my top three movies are all very different. But like that's like me and a nut. Those are like my three favorite. You have like the 
a gangster movie, a giant monster movie that's a mm-hmm. billion different genres, and then this space opera comedy. So yeah, yeah, no, I I love the the first Guardians, and and it wasn't my favorite movie necessarily when it first came out, but I did love it. But it's like over time, it's like okay, that needs to get slotted into my top five because I watch it all the time, and it's become like my favorite, yeah. especially of the the MCU. I think hands down, it they make any movie they're in better even if you know like thor mm. love and thunder is not a great movie but, and they kind of waste them which that was yeah we'll get down the road to that but i'm like that was the one <laughs> disappointment was like i kind of wish they would have let james gunn do a thor with the guardians would have been really cool but yeah agreed <laughs> agreed but as you say that that first one in particular i mean the, the rewatch factor i think is there you're right it's definitely one of those just as a standalone it's and it's something that i, th- I thought about in preparation for this this podcast thinking like yeah, I don't know that many superhero films, particularly now. I think the MCU struggling with this, and it's just the nature of comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, uh, Jack and Matt, when they were on to talk about comic books, uh, hey guys, if you're listening, they very correctly predicted that this is where it was going because that happened in the comic book industry, right? Your characters would start crossing over, and suddenly, if you were a you know a Guardians fan, for example. It wasn't enough that you could just read a Guardians issue because then Thor would show up and Spider-Man and you could, oh man, and then you have to go and read yeah. them and it just got, it just got messy. Um, and something is something I think a little bit similar was predicted and I do think is happening now where the rewatch thing, it, it's quite difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think Guardians seems to be the rule to the exception in that, well, the exception to the rule rather. Yeah. Um, the, particularly that first one. And I, I can, again, we can get into this as we discuss the sequels. They seem to stand alone quite nicely, and like you say, you can go back and rewatch it, and you you don't necessarily have to have watched the previous set of films or even the Avengers prior to that, yeah. right? Because Thanos shows up in Guardians, but he's just kind of there. And if you if you hadn't watched the end credits at that point of the, uh, uh, the, the Avengers, Avengers movie, yeah. didn't really matter. You were just kind of like, oh yeah, I know who he is. He's introduced. He's there for five minutes, and then he disappears again. It's it's not relevant. Really. Yeah. And I don't even know how many people, because it was so early on, even made the connection of Thanos to the Avengers because it was I mean, most people did. But there was probably some who were just like, oh, here's this guy Thanos in Guardians, you know, really, like you right. said, you didn't have to watch. And I and I do think it's it's the interesting thing with the MCU and understandable, like it's the hardest part of trying to do Avengers movies with guys getting their own solos, you know, between Iron yes. Man and Captain America and Thor. And what I think what's cool about the Guardians is you could watch the whole trilogy. And and if you just go into the third one, knowing a little bit in terms of like some of the stuff from the holiday special and obviously Endgame, really. Um, but like yeah. you don't have to watch all 32 films to go. OK, no. I, so I do like that the Guardians, the connectivity is not quite there. And, and really, there's somewhere you don't need to really connect them i think like the spider-man movies you could probably watch on their own without and same mm. thing with with you know dr strange or something but i do think what's what's tough with comic book movies like you said so many of them have now interconnected that i think people mm. are always expecting that and it's both to the positive and the detriment of the mcu right now is you took everyone on this wild ride for that infinity saga and it worked you basically i mean you hit a home yeah. run with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth baseball reference uh, to win, you know, the world <laughs> yeah. series basically with end game. It's like, okay, you did what no studio has ever attempted. 
But now it's like, okay, well, what do you do next? And I knew this was going to be a tough to phase them back into like a, uh, to kind of go through phase four was going to be rough. And let's be honest too, the pandemic hurt because it rushed Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff because we had a year and a half with nothing, you know, really, there was not much new things coming out to theaters, not even a lot of new shows coming out. So I think they kind of felt that pressure, but what's been cool about the guardians and we'll get into guardians three in a little bit, but it just felt like, don't worry about what the heck happened in the MCU. It's just about them with, a couple little things that you need to know, but really it was just, if you know the Guardians, you're going to go into the third one already mm-hmm. caught up to what's going on. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So I, f- I feel like the stage was set really well, again, in that in that first film. Just a ton of fun. Again, brilliant soundtrack, lots of classic songs, and, and ones that fit as well. I think that's another yeah. thing as well. I've, I've noticed about those films is, yeah, they, uh, they don't feel out of place. The song no. choices. And a good which, score, too. I think yeah. the first Guardian score True. is super underrated because of how good the soundtrack mm-hmm. is. Um, but I think the first score, like they're, you know, where the Guardians of the Galaxy moment at the end, the score is great. Mm. I, I think it's, um, like you said, you could lose a movie if you pick the wrong song. So, like, you really have to have James Gunn has a great ear for what should go where because you could kill a scene if you pick the wrong thing and you could either be too funny or not fit. Um, and I just think he picks like, man, he's, you know, it's a testament to three films. You basically have an A plus soundtrack in all three, you know, this newest soundtrack is even, I think kind of better in terms of, cause you could go more decades. Um, but I love oldies music. So like the first two soundtracks being basically seventies and some eighties was awesome. And then mm. I, I think he kind of upped it now a notch for the third one, which we get, we'll get into, but yeah, he, um, He's really a master at it. It's 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 why I'm looking forward to seeing what he does running mm. DC because it's like this is you you can introduce a lot of Guardians types characters now that we have no idea about because I'm not a, a big comic book guy and you could get into a lot of mm. deep cuts and I think people are more willing uh, and accepting of that now. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, there's that scene in the first movie right where they meet the collector and they're going around and it's just like a. It's basically like an Easter egg scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a constant set of references to all these yeah. other things. Some stuff comes back, some stuff doesn't. It's but it doesn't matter, and it's just it's another thing I think that suited James Gunn in this in this particular one of he's very good at world building and oh, setting yeah. up characters and working with costumes and practical effects as well as digital. And I think as a result, it just felt like a really fleshed out universe. And like you say, it gave that. Sp- that Star Wars feels the perfect one. It felt like you were entering this new world and all these different planets and people and nothing felt too out of place or nothing took you out of the film because you're just like, oh, we're just, we're in ahead of a giant space yeah. alien. Yeah, you know. Fine. They, yeah, when they no get to nowhere, bothered. you don't feel weird when they're like, oh, it's ahead of an empty celestial. You're like, yeah, makes yeah. sense to me. I don't even, yeah, even know what a celestial yeah. is. <laughs> moving on, cool. It makes sense. Yeah, and all the stuff with... um. Uh, I'm just trying to think, what are they called? Well, the Kree, actually, yeah, the sort yeah. of villains of the first one and all of that works and the Nova Corps. And again, it's it's all these sort of just little bits of detail and things that he just sprinkles in throughout the film. And great casting, too, because like the side characters played oh, by John yeah. C. Riley and you have Benicio Del Toro mm-hmm. and Glenn Close. It's like, man, what a what a a flex of like these are normal people who that's what's so interesting about the Guardians, like your leads 
would normally mm. not be leads in a movie. And your supporting actors are ones who had the resume like at the time, you know, John C. Riley and Glenn Close and Benicio Del Toro have been leads in a lot of movies. Mm. They've all been nominated for Oscars like they were the bigger ones. Mm. And then you had Chris Pratt, Zoe Zeldana, and, and I'll say Dave Bautista because Rocket and Groot, since they're voice actors, even though they are main characters, it's a little mm. bit different. But like your actual like mm. on set actors were not big name stars at all though no though no, zoe zeldon uh, uh could uh <laughs> she gets to have a nice flex about how many huge blockbusters are on her resume being in the avatar films and and endgame and infinity True. war where it's like you're like four of the top five highest grossing movies have you as one of the main characters so not a bad flex to have not a bad <laughs> flex at all no very much very much agree with you there and and also, I want to give a little uh, nod early on to Sean Gunn oh, yeah. for dra- for putting on a uh, a little morph suit and running around as Rocket on set. Mm-hmm. I mean, fair play to him as well, as well as playing a, a very funny side character that gets more to do later. Yeah, he d- he doesn't get enough credit for mm. what he does in those movies of being the on set Rocket. Yeah, no, Sean Gunn's great, and and I think he's a good actor too. And it's mm-hmm. n- it's cool. I mean, you know, I know people sometimes scoff at like oh it's nepotism when they put their siblings or parents or whatever and i'm like look as long as he's a good actor i don't care if you want to use your family every single person would try to use Mm. family in a movie and at least for james gunn sean gunn earns it because he does not just craglin but he's basically rocket for all of it um minus a few little things but like that's a lot of work, man. I, I always give a lot of those people like Andy Circus and mm. the actors who do these mocaps and like, yes, basically get no credit for the hard work it is to have to, especially to play Rocket, where he's basically crouching the whole time he's yeah. in that in that suit. And and what's cool, a little fun nugget for the third movie is that they used a lot mm. of the facial recognition in the, uh, of Rocket is Sean Gunn for when he was on nice. set, which is kind of cool and. And they also, you were talking about prost- uh, like using prosthetics with uh, CGI, mm. and I think Guardians Three broke the record for like most prosthetics used in a movie. It was like twenty two thousand wow. prosthetics. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't even realize that, and I'm like, okay, I could kind of see that for some of this stuff, mm. but it is kind of cool. It's like, I mean, James Gunn is said he about practical or CGI. He's like, whatever helps me tell the story. He goes, but you have to realize we have a talking raccoon that moves yeah. a lot, like. <laughs> There's no way to do that but CGI. He's like, we can't do that as a puppet. Like, yeah. Yoda worked because Yoda wasn't moving around a ton. And yeah. then you saw what happened in the prequels where they're like, okay, right. Yoda's going to move a lot. So we're going to have to CGI <laughs> him because yeah. it just wouldn't work. So, and, and no, I do, I agree. you know, and I think it's a good point that, like, ultimately with this whole trilogy and these characters is the love James Gunn has for them. And you can just tell mm-hmm. the difference when a director who's doing a big budget movie cares about it and when it's just hey it's for the paycheck because i want to be able to go direct my own independent movie or a movie Mm -hmm. that i know won't get financed so i think you know for him it was like these characters clearly resonated with him and and really you know thank god for it because otherwise in the wrong hands this movie could have failed yeah definitely and as you say it was coming out at a time when everything prior was set on earth Mm -hmm. So this was the first sort of adventure out into space and to go that deep and that hard with all the just the crazy world building and characters and stuff that's out there. Yeah, but I thought it was great. And, I, and I'll tell you the other thing that stood mm-hmm. out to me 
I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is a common criticism often of, of the MCU is they kind of end up being a little formulaic in that the color palette ends up being quite similar and the humor ends up being quite similar. I feel like these films sort of straddle their own line in that way of like, as you say, with all the prosthetics, all the CG, it definitely brings a lot more variety into the color and what's on screen. And then also in the, in the humor and the way they interact, it's not just everybody quipping all the time. It's, it's often just like bickering or like, you know, really dry humor from Drax or simple, you know, sarcastic from Marks from Rocket. It's, it's kind of feels like this nice variety where each character feels quite distinct and not just doing a bad impression of Tony Stark, yeah. which I quite like. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're spot on, man. I think, and, and I like a lot of the MCU movies, but yeah, a lot of mm. the, especially the ones that maybe like, you know, the like Thor, the first one, and even the second one a little bit, get a little formulaic and the comedy doesn't quite work. And, and like, it's, it's hard to replicate what Robert Downey Jr. brings to a character. Just very few actors I right. think could pull off sarcat like his sarcastic cockiness that he does. But what's cool about the guardians is like you said, the humor it's about as like rated R two is like a superhero movie for a PG 13 can get like gun really straddles mm. that line. I mean, there's a, you know, the, the joke in the first movie that goes over kids' heads, but it's like, oh, I can't believe they slipped that in there is Quill tells Rocket when Gamora's like, your ship's filthy. And he goes, huh, she had a black light. This would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. And it's like, that's a disgusting <laughs> joke that kids do not get. And if you're older, you're like, yeah. oh, man, I can't believe Dis like the Disney let him get away with that. And it's uh, Agreed. I mean, and. But like the humor works, like you said, and it is bickering. It's why they do feel like a family because they bicker with each other all the time. And it's like, but that's what families do. And and they kind of bring it up in this. In the when we get to the second movie, you know, Nebula points that out to them. And I think it's Drax who tells her, like, no, this is what families do. Because she's like, you guys don't even like each other. All you do is fight, you know. And 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 what's great too is going from the first movie to the second movie there is character development. And a lot of times in gun talked about, it, and this is not just the MCU, it's superhero movies in general is mm. the leads don't learn really anything from one movie to the next. It's just, okay, you save the world. Now the next movie, you're going to save the world again. And you don't yeah. really have any development. And I think going from guardians one to two in two, especially rocket, you know, you finally find out quills kind of backstory of who his dad is. And I think they all, you know, Nebula starts to progress, who is a side character. And and I just think, you know, Drax, you get to see a little bit more kind of a warm side to him with Mantis. And it's great because you get all this character development and it keeps going. They're not just the same people in every movie where it's like, OK, they really didn't learn mm. anything from this movie and they're, they're good actors. So, OK, we'll just make it be the sec the same thing, you know, in, in volume two and three and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Agreed. So, I mean, speaking of, yeah, volume two, I mean, what, what did you think of that? Your sort of first impressions? Yeah. So my first impression was I, I liked it, but I didn't like to me, it was always like Guardians is like an A and volume two is like a B, B plus. Like it's a typical it's a sequel where it's not as good as the first, but I do think it was good. It just it was like, OK, this one is the more, I think, comedic with has maybe better comedy overall, but also it, it does give you the gut punch with, with Yondu and it does give you Quill's backstory, which makes sense why he could hold an infinity stone. Um, yeah. And, and I liked it. I, I guess for me, 
part of it, like the first time seeing it, I was a little bummed they didn't have more stuff together. But then as I watched it a bunch, it was important to separate Rocket and Quill and then let them kind of learn. You know, like I think the the scene where Yondu basically tells Rocket, like, you know, you act like you're big and bad, but you're the most scared of them all and kind of takes him down a peg or two. And it's like, okay, I see now why they had to separate Rocket from the group. Otherwise, you don't get that you know, the, the building of his character and his kind of relationship with Yandu. And I think it was awesome to let Michael Rooker get like basically a, a leading role in a huge blockbuster. I thought he was great as Yandu and it's, um, it, it gives you the gut punch, you know, when he sacrifices himself for, for Quill and has the great moment where he's like, you know, he may be your father, but he wasn't your daddy. And I'm proud you were my boy. It's just like, Oh man, tell you want to tug yeah. at your heartstrings. Like it's, um, so, yeah, I think it's one where, you know, for me, it was it was always right below Guardians one. But in terms of sequels, it's one of the better sequels, because a lot of times mm. sequels are just let's rinse and repeat. And I think they they could have easily done that. And instead, they were like, OK, we'll obviously keep the humor. There's going to be mm-hmm. heart in this movie, but we need to tell Quill's story and we need to advance, you know, especially Rocket, because you could tell James Gunn, like, OK, that's his favorite character in these movies is Rocket. And. Yeah, but and they also did the right thing, I think, too. You know, you still gave everyone enough to do. You introduced uh, Mantis, who develops more in the later movies. Um, and then you started to get a good turn with Nebula. And and when we talk about volume three, I think it's the biggest payoff mm. is developing her character more because she's fantastic. Oh, hard agree. Yeah, I I feel like it's one of those films that is actually more misunderstood, mm-hmm. I would say. In what it is, I think because the first one, as we said, was such a just a big old action blockbuster, and it was fun. And like you say, as a space opera, it was all this crazy stuff, and it's so simple in its story. It's bring the team together. They're kind of dysfunctional, but they get the job done. So for the next film, it's almost like this really nuanced look at all of them and their relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know about you, I kind of love when films do that. I love when they start to dive into characters and like what makes them them. And, you know, all of them have, not to get too deep, well, no, actually, stuff it, we are going to get yeah. <laughs> All of them have trauma. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. All of them have, yeah. have issues, have things that they've got to deal with. You know, and, I, and like you say, introducing even a character like Mantis, I think is something people overlook. They just think, oh, it's just a weird, quirky character. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know her superpower is empathy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, I always think of that scene where like it's her and Drax just sat outside and he's just like stoic as ever, just looking out on the horizon and she just touches him and just bursts into tears. I was just she about to bring that scene up. Yeah. How much pain the guy's carrying. And you're like, oh yeah, that was, that's his whole character from the first film is he's a man on the mission because of the, you know, the absolute tragedy of losing his whole family. And it's like, yeah, he's carrying that weight. And as you say, Rocket is kind of, carrying all this anger and angst for a reason you've got peter quill with his dad issues which makes sense and mm-hmm. it's just all of this stuff and i you know i say gamora and nebula and i'm like yeah these characters are really nuanced and detailed and i love that this film just takes a moment to kind of stop and look at all of them and even though it ends with this huge kind of crazy battle on a planet and there's all this sort of demigod stuff going on it's like the actual i've always felt anyway the actual point of the story is it's much smaller it's about them as a unit and sort of understanding each character better. And I love it for that personally. Oh yeah. No, I think it's one that the more I've watched it, the more I love it. Cause it's, and, and it's also, it's like, I try, 
try not to give every movie I love an A because it's just like, OK, I got it. But like it, it is it is a really good like you said, it's a, it's more of a character study than it is like a big action movie. It's just that they have to have action in it because it's a yes. superhero movie. But like they really do a good job of showing you why Quill is the way he is, why Gamora and Nebula are the way they are, why Drax is like you said that I was going to bring that up. The scene where they're sitting out looking at the horizon and he says, you know, my daughter loved doing stuff like this and then mantis touches him and she starts crying and their relationship mm. has developed so good throughout the movies drax and mantis um yeah which is great because i think not that he needed a love interest but i think it's good for drax to have a friend who's n- not just like uh, the guardians they're all clearly friends and care about each other but he needed like rocket has groot gamora and peter have each other so drax kind of needed someone who he could like lean on for stuff. And I think Mantis was the perfect fit because Drax is, he's mean to her in terms of like saying she's ugly, but he's doing it. He's, he's, he has like this childlike innocence where he doesn't really think what he's saying is mean, but he also, he does like her as a person. He's just, he's like got that can't filter his, uh, like, you know, the, Hey, you know, you're ugly on the outside, but not on the inside. Like, it's like, well, you could have just yeah. said she's beautiful on the inside. You don't have to say not on the outside. But to him, he doesn't see it that way. But it, yeah. it's uh, he's also I mean, I could see why they took the Drax character and tried to make him more comedic because Batista's delivery is so good. And I think had he not been funny with his lines, they would have tried to play him more as probably how he is in the comics, like the destroyer. But he d- he made mm. a good comment, though, where he did say. He goes, in retrospect, looking at this character, he goes, he was never going to be the lead. So it's like, if I'm going to be the supporting guy who gets his moments but has to be funny, I'll do that. And I think it's important, like, look, not every character is going to be like in a comic where maybe they're leading their own series. It's a group, but it's Peter's, you know, Star-Lord's the main and everyone else is a supporting with and everyone gets moments. I think that's one good thing Gunn does is gives everybody a chance to kind of shine, whether it's more comedically, more serious. Um, and, and, you know, talking about the soundtrack also, uh, one of my favorite scenes, my kids love this scene, is the when Yandu, Rocket, and Groot are escaping off the Ravenger ship and they're playing Come a Little Bit Closer by Jay and the Americans. I love that song growing up. I, I heard that <laughs> yeah. song when I was a little kid and, like, I've always loved that song. So the fact that one of the coolest moments in the movies had that song in the theater, I was like, Oh my God, they're playing a little bit closer. This is so awesome. (laughs) And my boys love that scene so much so that I think they've never seen the ending of the movie because they always want me to rewind it. I'm like, okay, you got to keep pushing the movie forward, boys. You can't keep restarting it every time. (laughs) No, no. And using ELO too in the beginning, which which James Gunn has said that would be like the Guardians house band would be ELO, which is awesome. Yeah. And again, I think kind of sets the tone for the film and the fact that you've got like baby Groot now which is one of the, the most adorable things they've ever come up with just dancing around and <laughs> having fun while it's all chaos in the background and it's the whole point is that they're not working as a team in that scene mm-hmm. because they're not listening to each other and again i feel like it's just really clever of james gunn just setting that up so nicely with one of the greatest songs ever written let's be honest it's oh, just an absolute mr tune. blue sky such a good yeah song. I mean, how do you and not you bring... get excited to that? <laughs> no, exactly. And then, like later on, towards the end of the film, it's climax. You, you know, you bring out Fleetwood Mac. It's like, yeah, well done, job done. <laughs> and it's the first time he used he used the song twice in a movie. Where when they first True. break apart, 
and he mm-hmm. starts playing the that somber beginning of Chains, which is awesome. What a good song, man, and what a perfect mm. song to explain. And then it's the chains breaking at that point, mm. and then when they work together and they start playing it, it's like, yeah, that's what's so good about Gun is he didn't nothing's put in the movie just to be a throwaway or a waste. It's like no, 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 mm. we may not get to it right now, but we will get to it. And sometimes you gotta be patient, and it might not happen in this movie, but it there's going to be a purpose. It's yeah you know he thank god they brought him back to to get to finish the trilogy it would have been a shame if like he never got to Mm. close out this group because he he's Mm -hmm. the secret sauce to why the guardians work so well and and not every director could could do what he did with these characters like i said it it would be curious to see like a serious take on the guardians where there's not humor but i don't think it'd be good but i i'm always up for Mm. like i I always love the like, oh, we originally had this idea to hear it and be like, I wonder if that would be good. But it's like, well, thank God what happened was good. So, <laughs> yeah, def- definitely, man. And okay. it, to, to pull on that thread as well about James Gunn with it all, it's, you know, it's definitely one of these films that doesn't feel formulaic. Mm-hmm. You know, as I, as I said earlier, that is, again, a criticism that people make that some of these films, you can't really tell who's directing them. And the ones that sort of stand out and you go, oh, that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. It's because the director was able to make it their own in some capacity. So you kind of get a feel for them and their vision, and they sort of helped to craft that. And yeah, you're right. James Gunn's got his fingerprints all over these these films, and it it definitely is a huge part of why they're so successful and why they work. And I agree with you when all that sort of controversy kicked off. I mean, we can talk a bit about it if you want. I, yeah. I just find it really interesting watching it from a distance, kind of thinking... Really? You're going to fire this guy because of some silly things that he tweeted a few years ago and has apologized for. And also wasn't about anyone who is real. His joke, while right. while raunchy and yeah, like inappropriate, but like, again, they're made up characters. He's talking about the Hardy Boys, yeah. who's not real. And what's funny is, and, and it's not to get political, but like these two conservative guys who didn't like him for his politics are, are the mm. ones who champion to get him canceled. And it's like, well, I thought you guys are the ones who say cancel culture is bad. And I think, yeah. you know, Feige talked about it. It wasn't his call because I think they like James. He liked James Gunn. Um, and it's like, okay, he got fired. But then you saw the whole cast was like, no, we're not going to do a third Guardians movie without him. Yeah. So if anything, that shows you like, as much as these guys like playing these characters, it's they like doing it for James Gunn. And, and between yeah. that and then, like I like and I know some like he's kind of quibbled a little bit about he would have changed a few things with how they're used in Infinity War. But I do like them a lot in that movie. And I think it's yeah. that movie's like half a Guardians movie, which is why I love Infinity War as much as I do. Like and you yeah. mix Star Lord and Tony Stark to basically of the most like egotistical of the lead characters, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things when they first fired him. I was like, oh. God, I'm like, why are you giving in to it's why I don't like when people get fired unless it's something really bad. You know, had like James yes. Gunn had come out that he was pushing kitty porn or something. You'd be like, OK, that's yeah. terrible. Fire him for that. And it's, yeah. it's what's so interesting about current event stuff with like uh, Jonathan Majors now is they haven't made a decision yet, which mm. some people like, some people don't like. But I'm like, look, until you know everything, it does, you no good just to be like, well, I'm going to fire him or we're going to keep him let's let it play out. And I do think we as a society need to start getting in that mindset of, you don't have to fire someone right away. 
Unless it, like you said, you know, some guy murdered his wife and you're like, well, yeah, we're going to fire him because he's going to prison and what he did was terrible. But like, just let it play out. Let's not jump. Yeah. You know, the the proverbial gun right away. (laughs) And and because half the time, a lot of these stories come out and it's like, yeah, that was either misunderstood or not correct. Or it's yeah, Mm -hmm. he did something bad and now he's losing his job. Right. And rightfully so. So, yeah, yeah, I just think the gun thing seems so like, ah, don't. What do you like? giving in to people who aren't even going to watch your movies anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, it was very odd, but it also made me wonder if, I don't think it was, but there was an element of me that was almost wondering if it was like staged because he then very quickly got offered the, the job at DC. But I think all the interviews and everyone around it seems to confirm that, no, it, it was just happenstance. And, and he almost didn't come back. War- yeah, and Warner Brothers were quite smart to see an opportunity and go, Oh, thank goodness! Somebody who has a co- yeah. coherent direction and, <laughs> and could probably help us because, no offense, but everyone else they've had on board so far has been a bit of a disaster. So, yeah. well, and you know, and DC needs their version of Kevin Feige on the creative team, who who will keep the train on the track. And and it's been DC's biggest problem. And, and look, like I love Batman movies for the most part. That's always the DC one I lean to. Um. But yeah. I think because of the success the MCU had of world building, instead of taking their time, I think DC rushed to try to get their Avengers with the Justice League. And had they just taken their time, you could have had a really epic. And obviously the thing with Zack Snyder losing his daughter in real life ruined that movie too. You know, and Josh Whedon came in and was a mess. So just everything about it was a yeah. mess. But it was also like you didn't have to rush to do a, DC, a, a, a Justice League movie. You could have waited. There was there's no timetable that said, no, you have to make it three years after or no one's going to like our Justice League movie. You know, you mm. could have taken your time. And and I think now that they have someone like in control who knows comics will help um, and clearly has a passion. I mean, James Gunn's very passionate about this world. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, and I think it's good for both. I think it's good for Marvel that DC has some shine on them in a positive way and and both feige and gun have both said like i want them to be successful because it pushes us to be better because let's be honest there's enough money to go around for both companies this is not like a exactly dc wins marvel fails marvel wins dc fails it's if you both make yeah. good movies everyone wins yeah 100 percent. and thankfully they managed to figure it out mm-hmm. and he's like you said he was happy to come back finish off the third one and i guess that does nicely bring us up to the third one I'm going to say it again here. Spoilers. I might even put a klaxon or something here. (laughs) You've already been warned. I would have warned you at the start of this episode. If you're still here, I'm putting this out weeks after the film has come out. If you don't want it spoiled, you've been fairly warned. Let's just go for it, man. I really want to hear your thoughts. What were your thoughts on Guardians 3? So uh, I loved it. I uh, it, it was a movie that I did not cry as emotional as I get for these movies, but it hit me afterwards. So I did like a quick little I think you saw it. I did like a little out of theater reaction. But before I filmed mm-hmm. that, it was like hitting me all like the movie did things that I wasn't expecting. And what I thought I wanted, I think would have actually made it worse. And and to obviously these are spoilers. The fact that none of them died, I actually really liked because I thought the only way for me to like it was you had to sacrifice like Drax, Rocket, Star-Lord, somebody. But then the more the movie went on, I'm like, man, though, like you said, all their backstories are so tragic that 
why can't mm. they just have a happy ending if it's earned? And it was. I truly think it was like, no, they don't need to die to to satisfy this group and to close this group out, but they are going to go their separate ways to an extent, you know, and, and I loved it. I, I think the more I've sat on it and I've seen it twice. I, I saw it with my wife and then I saw it with my dad and my brother. My dad never goes to the theater. So it was big for me to be like, my dad likes the guardians a lot. So he was like, hey, I'll go and watch it. And he liked mm-hmm, it a lot. Mm-hmm. His only complaint was he goes, it's too loud in the theater. I'm like, dude, you're in your fifties. <laughs> Stop acting like yours. But we did see it in like a, uh, you know, the Dolby theater. So it is, if you're not okay. used to it, it's pretty loud. But yeah, I yeah. loved it, man. I think that the way it ends with the dog days are over song playing and them all finally kind of having a happy ending to an extent because it, it just it hit me harder the second time watching it where it's like, no, mm. that is what I wanted. I wanted them to actually have a happy ending, not just die for the dramatic effect of, oh, my God, they killed. And they kind of tease it a little bit because it seems mm-hmm. like there's. Had I not seen the trailer, I thought for sure Drax was dead when he got shot twice with that one gun. I was yeah. Like, I was like, oh, mm. damn. But then I'm like, wait a minute. But they show him like in the blue suit and everything. I'm like, OK, so he's not dead. But I'm like, man, did they F him up bad in that in that mm. spot? Um, You know, mm-hmm, and Nebula mm-hmm. spitting out blood after she gets shot like they. Yeah, they put them through the ringer. So this was not like a now it's going to be an easy battle for them and they're not going to get messed up through the movie. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts, man? I was curious because you saw it before me, so and I was like, oh, okay. I was, like, I think you saw it like the night before me because. Oh, okay, yeah. Actually, I just realized. So for us, because it came out on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I was yeah. like, oh, that never happens. King's coronation. That's uh, what yeah. happened. King's coronation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that was on the weekend. They, I guess, wanted to try and get as many people in a few days before. Smart move, I think. Smart move. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was absolutely delighted to watch it. And I'm, I'm very similar thoughts to you, to be honest, Nick. I thought it was fantastic. I'm not ashamed to say it made me cry a lot. I was not expecting that, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, I love these characters. I like the film. I, I do think it helps um, when you've got characters like that are adorable animals and they're being put through a lot of suffering. Ooh. That's going to get to anyone. And, mm-hmm. and, if you, and if it doesn't make you at least give a single man tear... Yeah. I think you might want to seriously go and speak to somebody because that you're repressing some serious feelings. Oh God. <laughs> it's like when Rocket's first words are hurt, I was like, oh, oh. I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, and I love raccoons. So like the fact that I yeah. knew he was gonna be in, and you know, it is mm-hmm. funny though, like I, I, I not many, because a lot of people have liked this movie. I think it's been overwhelmingly a positive what I've seen on social media. I did see one person who was like, I'm never gonna watch this again. It's too brutal towards animals. And I'm like, well. I mean, it's brutal, but they don't show a lot. It's just implied and it Mm. is sad. So don't get me wrong, but I'm like, this is not like they showed Rocket actually getting ripped apart where you're like, oh, God, what are you showing? Like, you don't need to do that. So I was like, okay, you know, it maybe was a bit of a soft take where it's like, okay, look, it's tough. Don't get me wrong. If you love animals, there are scenes where you're like, oh, you just feel terrible for them. But you need Mm. that for Rocket. He is a talking raccoon who is talked about in the first movie. You know, when he's drunk saying, I, w- I didn't want to be ripped apart and put back together like a little monster. And it's like, yeah, yeah. What did you think his backstory was going to be? Um, but man, uh, th- again, with the soundtrack is great. I love how yes. they used No Sleep Till Brooklyn, which is an overplayed <laughs> Beastie Boys song, but they used it so perfect. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, mean, I even, do you know, what? the opening again, the opening track to use 
the acoustic version of oh, Creep by Radiohead. God. So good. And to just let it play out in its entirety in a really slow, interesting way where it's just Rocket walking around the new compound. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's no action scene. There's nothing exciting happening. It's just equating you with the new world that's been built by the Guardians. And again, I feel like it sets the tone. It sets that sort of somber tone that's in this film of, this is going to be emotional. <laughs> this is going to make you feel stuff. Well, and, and they also, I, I mean, I give James Gunn a lot of credit. He did, he did what I wasn't expecting, which was basically Rocket's not in three-fourths of the movie as, him, as his adult version. Oh, but what yeah. they do, it's so clever how they do it is, their conflict is all about saving Rocket. And I did not, I yeah. thought that would be an element to the movie. I didn't think that was going to be the whole movie. But then watching Agreed. it the second time, I'm like, no, that's that works because it mm-hmm. actually pushes the other Guardians to develop their characters more because you get a lot mm-hmm. of Nebula being upset with Drax and Mantis constantly. But I think a lot of it comes from they're all just afraid for Rocket. And yeah, the, maybe the best acted scene of the whole movie is when, uh, Nebula hears Rocket's voice uh, mm. over the intercom and she starts crying and you're just like, yeah, you're like you could see why a it's a good callback to like Nebula and Rocket are the only guardians who weren't blipped out, you know, mm. and they spent five years just the two of them together. So, right. Do, yeah. You know, he calls her Nebs in the movie like there's this, you know, he helped modify her arm and it's like, yeah, there's mm. this great stuff of like. You don't need them to talk about their friendship for 10 minutes. You just need to show moments like that. And I think that's what this movie mm-hmm. does a good job of not being like, well, we need a scene where Rocket talks to Nebula about, hey, you know, we become close because it's too many times movies will do that for no reason just to be like, yeah, it's, well, you're it's not smart classic. enough to put it together. So we'll do it for you. <laughs> it's the classic. How long have we been friends for? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once once you notice it, you can't unhear it in oh, several God. films. In every action movie, it's like, you know, we've known each other for 15 years. And it's like, well, this is your fourth movie together. We get it. You don't need to talk yeah. about, <laughs> yeah, you exactly. know, like, like I think, uh, <laughs> That's a sidetrack, yeah. but like Lethal Weapon does it great because Danny Glover's just always like, I'm too old for this stuff. Lethal, yeah, you know, yeah, I won't say the last word, but like, it's just like, <laughs> that's all you need. You don't need Danny Glover being like, we've been working together rigs for 15 years. It's just, no, nope, I'm too old for this. And it's like, yeah, you are, but you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. And and I think I, I love um, the, you know, Drax's conclusion with them saying, no, you're not meant to be the destroyer. You're meant to be a dad. And it's like, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, that's. And, you know, his when he cries, when Mantis leaves, it is sad because it's like that's his best friend of the group. Yeah. And, and it's like, man, they just I don't know. it. It's a great example of, like I said, you don't need to kill characters just to be like, OK, you know, like Tony mm-hmm. Stark for Endgame made sense. Someone had to sacrifice themselves. It makes sense. It's Tony Stark. He's been around the longest. He's always had the. The, the like, hey, I tried to sacrifice myself once and it worked. And now it's like, OK, I'm going to save everybody. Yeah. You know, like it, Black Widow was another one. Her past was checkered. And it makes sense that she's like, I don't sacrifice myself for all the sins of my past. For the mm. Guardians, it was like, man, all of them have just been through terrible lives to that point of meeting each other. I am kind of glad that even Gamora, they they didn't do the whole let's have him fall back in love with Peter. It's just one line. I, I bet we were fun. And it's her acknowledging that, like, yeah, maybe in another life we would be together again. But it's not happening here. But she doesn't do it in a way that is mean to Quill. It's just. No. You yeah. know, and it, it, yeah, I, I think it was the movie definitely Marvel needed after a rough phases and after Quantumania was was a was a big letdown. But it's also like mm. 
you got to also tamper expectations because this was clearly James Gunn's conclusion to a trilogy. The rest of the movies aren't going to be that. So it's up to these other directors and the the story to carry. But, But this is a great example of write good characters. Look at how much we cared for a talking tree and a raccoon. Like, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Like, like, just write good characters. It doesn't, the, the situation doesn't have to be crazy if the characters are good. You know, characters mm. are always going to outweigh the plot, I think, in my opinion. I'd rather watch a movie with a weak plot but good characters than, oh, that plot's great, but everyone in the movie, you're like, uh, I don't care about any of these people. Yeah, no, exactly, man. Exactly. And as you say, a lot of them have had so much development over the entire series of films. And um, I even think. If you didn't watch Endgame, right, mm-hmm. you can still follow this. There's even yeah. like lines where they do kind of bring you up to speed with what's going on <laughs> in quite a funny way, actually. Yeah, um, and again, it sort of does that like, how long have we been friends for thing? But obviously, like in a, in a kind of humorous, almost like this sort of tongue in cheek sort of way that they do mm-hmm. it. But I think stuff like that is also quite nice that James Gunn's perhaps just thinking about people that maybe are just hit along for these films and not yeah. for much else. Or maybe they've missed some things or they can't remember because they saw it years ago. So they might be a bit confused. It's a nice way of wrapping those things up. And as you say, really investing in the characters that are there and their journeys and just reminding you of who they are, why they're there, why you care. And again, it's similar to the others in that stakes wise, it's not end of, well, I mean, it sort of is end of a world. I mean, we, we get a little bit of destruction and, yeah. and, and chaos, but it's not like end of the universe, you know, mm-hmm. big th- threat. It's just a, a crazy psychopath that just needs to be stopped. And it's kind of similar to the other two. And it's, mm-hmm. it makes it very insular. And like you say, it kind of makes you then care about the journey of the characters and you, you're kind of rooting for them to succeed, not because the universe is at stake, but because their lives and their their, their themselves really are at stake i suppose for sure and it's also it's a good example of the high evolutionary doesn't need to be a villain you sympathize for not every villain needs to have a a redeeming quality or a oh i see where they're coming from i like that they're like no this is just a mad scientist who's pissed that his creation Mm -hmm. is smarter than him and since losing rocket he has been on a downward spiral. I love that. I'm like, I don't need to like my villain. I think it's the. Yeah. Sometimes movies get too caught up in that. Like we need the villain to have a backstory that makes you feel for them in a way. And it's like, no, I think the Guardians movies have actually done a good job of. I liked Ronan because he's just a psycho and ego yep. is a his name is what it is. He's just an egomaniac who's a god yep. who wants to control everything. Like, I don't need mm-hmm. a villain to have a clever backstory, especially this one. Because it's about Rocket yeah. and what he did to Rocket is unforgivable. And what he did to all these people, how he's so easily like, eh, I'm going to destroy a whole planet of people I created because I don't like that they didn't do what I wanted. You know, it's like, Agreed. He, he's just a scumbag and that's okay. I like when my my heroes beat a villain and, and I even like how they how they defeat him at the end because a lot of people are like, well, why didn't Rocket shoot him? I'm like, well, I mean, he gets stabbed and pretty messed up where there's no way he's surviving that. And then he blows up mm. in the ship. So, yeah, yeah, maybe they bring him back. And I've heard some people say, well, recast him as Kang the Conqueror because he did such a good job. And I'm like, well, maybe Mar- maybe Marvel's going to do that and just say, hey, the he- high evolutionary is a variant. I mean, you could always tweak True. things, whatever. I mean, if the actor's really good, I don't care if you have to recast. Obviously, the their situation's different, but... I liked him, and and I know some people had an issue with 
with how Adam Warlock was portrayed. I'll say this for me. I didn't mind it, especially the second time, because if he is the fully developed Adam Warlock right away, then this it's like fighting Superman, you know, and and I think the way they did it was like he's just a child and they explain it and people don't like that. And it's like, whatever, you don't have to like it. But I don't think his purpose right now is to be the big bad, clearly, because he's part of the Guardians and. And I actually think that's a great way to introduce him in another movie, because I do think you'll see Rocket's group of Guardians down the line. And I think that's where Adam Warlock will like. As he's more developed, maybe they'll push him off to his own and he'll leave them and that'll be like their end, you know, like but I could definitely see. They've all said they don't want to come back for a Guardians movie, but I could definitely see because it's just voice acting, bringing back Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel to just do like in a Secret Wars or something. Maybe they have the Guardians show up for a cameo or a small yeah. scene. And, you know, look, you throw the bag at them and you say, look, we'll write you something good. I mean, but, you know, it's it, it's different than saying, oh, we're doing Guardians 4 without James Gunn and we're going to have all you guys return. So that they didn't yeah. want to do. And I understand. I, I, the, yeah. And understandably mm. for Batista and Zoe Zaldana, it's a lot of makeup, man. It a lot of their days yeah. is spent putting on and taking off makeup. So it's Yep. You know, I get that. But uh but yeah, no, man. I I loved it. I think I'm I'm glad it's gotten the high praise that it has. Um mm. and that it's doing well at the box office too. I know again, I laughed when people were like, huh, 118 million. That's not as much as they were is what the volume two made. I'm like, yeah, well, volume yeah. two came out six years ago when Yes. Like, a, the MCU is on a hot streak, but also movies really aren't making the same type of money. I still think as much as the pandemic may be over for a lot of people, there's still a lot of people who don't want to go out to the movies and will wait for it to come to Disney Plus or on, you know, to rent is- or buy at home agreed man I think that's a huge factor huge huge factor and, that, and let's be honest as well I think given the run of I mean, you mentioned it earlier given the run of, of Marvel films over the last couple of years haven't been that good mm-hmm. it's kind of you can kind of forgive people who maybe aren't plugged in to sort yeah. of go oh another one nah you're all right i'll wait yeah. until it comes on disney plus it'll be there two months maybe i'll watch it and then maybe i mm-hmm. won't which is fair enough but if you are listening and you're one of those people i think you're in agreement with me nick when i implore you listener to go and watch this one because yes. it's incredible yes and it's, go it's and one of the it few the <laughs> it's one of the few series i think where it's three for three personally mm. oh yeah um and there's there's not that many of them, especially in in superhero uh, genres. So I think yeah, do yourself a favor, go and check this out. Yeah, because even like I think for superhero ones, maybe the best trilogy would be considered either the Dark Knight, which I know Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. was very split with people, and then even Captain America, because a lot of people didn't like the first Captain. Like I like the first Captain America, but Captain America's trilogy isn't. It's almost like Captain America two and a half because mm-hmm. half of his third movie is really about Tony Stark and the split yeah. between the Avengers. Whereas this is like the, the one true trilogy that really was about these guys and just yes. these guys. Um, Still, I like the cap trilogy. Don't get me wrong. It's I like all those mm-hmm. movies, but no, this, this to me was like three straight, you know, home run, home run, home run. And, um, yeah. and it's very rare to nail the third movie, man. And James going to talked about it, why it took him so mm-hmm. long to write the script too was like, I'm not going to be one of those people who writes a bad third one. You know, it ruins yeah. the first Spider-Man trilogy because people hated Spider-Man three. Yeah. And had they nailed that one, that's probably like up there with the best mm. trilogies. People love Spider-Man yeah. one and two. 
And then mm-hmm. three, three was the third movie problem of we need mm-hmm. to go big. We need to go big with a lot of villains and big with with all this stuff. Yeah. And I think, like you said, they really grounded this third movie. It was not a big world builder. It was like, here's a simple story. Yes, he's going to try to destroy. He does destroy a planet, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to conquer the universe. And you're like, oh, my God, we got to save him from destroying all the other planets. It's like, no, we mm. just got to save him from killing our friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that simple. And as you say, I I just loved it for that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it a second time yet. I think I would like to, actually. There's not a lot else out in the minute. And I could feel myself going for another ride with that one because oh, yeah. well it's just it. so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And and as you say, that the sort of end song to just, you know, like uh, Dog Day, as you say, to just kind of just make make you feel so much joy and like relief after just what has been two and a bit hours of an absolute emotional roller coaster to then end on like they said this sort of joyous moment even though they are splitting up they're going their separate ways it's really sad for that reason it's just nice to see them all dancing and just enjoying being together and you're like what a brilliant way to end end this series of films and it's great they all went out on their own terms which doesn't happen a lot yes that's what i think why after watching it the first time and like letting it marinate i was like man that was such a good call to not just kill them just to be like well we know rock and we don't want him back peter quill we don't want to back drax or nebula because honestly halfway through i was like i wouldn't be shocked if they all died and like mantis and like cosmo live and then they start their own but then through the movie i'm like i don't want rocket to die as much as i thought yeah him dying will make sense and i'm sure it'd be It'll be sad, but like he'll sacrifice himself or whatever. I'm like, no, I, I love that. They like, hey, Peter gets to go spend the rest of his grandpa's life with him, which I think was a great like when Mantis mm. brought that up. It's something I hadn't even thought about that. I'm like, that is right. Yeah. His, his grandpa did lose his his grandson and his daughter on the same day, which would be yeah. heartbreaking for anybody. And because it happens in the first five minutes of Guardians, you don't really think about the fact that he could have went back to earth, but because he kind of found a new family and it's a great moment when they embrace and he sees them through the door and he's like, that, Peter, that was another, like, yeah, that was another moment that got me. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so beautiful. And what oh. a lovely full circle moment. Like you say, to bring it all the way back from that very first scene of the very first film I was like, that's really smart. Yeah, that was good. And and I like Mantis going off on her own. I think that makes sense. She makes a good point where it's like you were mm. egos slave and then i did everything you guys wanted but i need to go figure out who i am and and i think they did it good you kind of have rocket and groot take a new group of guardians you have drax and nebula running nowhere yeah um and again if you throw the bag at batista maybe he'd come back for a cameo just to show where nowhere is at in another movie but but i Mm. think they i think people who wanted them to die just so they're not in any more movies i'm like that's that's the easy way out. I think what James Gunn yes. did was the harder thing, which was, no, we're not killing them, but we're going to give them a satisfying conclusion that yes. hopefully you like if you're a fan of these characters. Yeah, and again, I think it just makes sense, given the journeys that all of them have gone gone on, as you say, to let them go on their own terms. Mm-hmm. You know, Because the whole thing of them all coming together is that they're all broken. So for them to come together, heal one another, and then go, right, now I'm going to step out and do my own thing for a bit. It's just beautiful. It's it really and like is, you say, it's yeah. not it's not something you get to see very often for a number of reasons. So I was super, super happy about that, man. And yeah. I'd I'd love to see that world again. I'd love to see all those yeah, people again. As you say, it's 
wh- whether we will or not who knows um even if it's just in a in an avengers movie if they just show up for five ten minutes i'd be very happy with that oh yeah to have rocket appear with the new guardians to like save someone would be awesome i'm like it but it is sad it, it, it's sad because it's the the last of a group is always sad when it's done well and that's how you should feel is like damn i really would love to watch these guys again but also it's like hey you went out strong and it's always mm-hmm. better uh brian cranston talked about it with breaking bad he goes i'd rather we right. end too early for people than yes oh god that show's still on and i think it's the same thing in movies it's yeah i'm not a huge fast and the furious fan it's like the fact that they are going to have like their 12th, 11th movie or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's going to be a part three of them. And it's like, oh, God, OK, at this point now, it's like, how have you not died in however many car crashes you've been in? So, yeah, yeah. Like, but hey, if people like those, movies, I'm not crapping on them. Like, if you enjoy them, yes. But there gets mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. a point when you're on past nine where it's like, OK, I, I think you're jumping the shark now. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean. It came up in a, an episode, a few episodes back now, where I maintain it is one of the highest budget, uh, good bad movies out there. Mm-hmm. Like it's that. That's just what it is. That's what they are. I, funny enough, speaking of, I saw the trailer for the new one yeah. whilst we're watching Guardians, <laughs> and I laughed all the way through it. I was like, "This is brilliant. This is absolute stupidity." Oh god! Of course, they, I'm gonna watch it. They, Am they, I gonna go to the cinema? Probably not. No, Let's no. be honest. But I'll but, check it out. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you say, though, it's it's. I I agree. I think to end with a bit of integrity mm-hmm. takes a lot, and especially in amongst everything that's going on with the MCU as a whole right now, because it is just huge. Yeah, it was so lovely to watch something that was. It felt so separate from everything else. You know, it's, it's just it's kind of wild to think about because you mentioned it earlier, and I think you're absolutely right. They play such a huge role in both Infinity War and Endgame. So to then have them spin off onto this side story mm-hmm. and have almost none of that stuff before really matter that much. Okay, there's a little bit of hangover from what happened with Gamora and, and Peter Quill, and that's quite interesting, but that gets wrapped up quite nicely, as you say, and everything else just to kind of fold in on itself. Yeah, I think fair play. Fair oh, play to Chief sure. fair play to everyone involved, because also it looked stunning. It did. Oh, man. For how rough they've been getting beat up on Mm -hmm. for their visual effects and in some stuff, rightfully so. I think this looked like an Avengers like budget type thing of like, no, we'll make sure this looks great Um, because and I get it. Ant-Man with the quantum mania was tough to do, but they use that volume, which I understand the point of it. It's just like, yeah, man, that. See, an Ant-Man's a great example of, had you just let it be an Ant-Man movie, like the first two, I enjoy the first two. I really like the first mm. Ant-Man. And the second one, I'm like, okay, it's a fun sequel that you need that machine. You know, you need yeah. the quantum realm. You know? So I get it. But like when you try to do too much world building, sometimes it's like, okay, it doesn't work. Mm. And really the whole point of Ant-Man 3 was we just need to introduce Kang and show that there's a billion yeah. versions of him. Spoiler alert for that movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, but yeah. It, it it's like it was just nice and i think the mcu will start taking some notes from guardians and going forward i mean like the deadpool mm-hmm. movie i can't wait for that because it's gonna be deadpool and wolverine mm. that's gonna be awesome but <laughs> i hope it's just their movie and if you want to tie it in at the very end or whatever like in a post credit fine but i want like just a deadpool wolverine movie that would be awesome and how they're gonna do it it's gonna be like pulling wolverine from a different not from Logan when he's dead, 
So it's yeah. like pulling him earlier in his life, which is going to be fun because him and I mean, I think they're just like, we need an excuse to put Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds together. <laughs> and I'm for it. I'm like, hey, if it's if yeah. it's as good as what they could do. Awesome. But I do think. Trying to find not every movie connecting, I think once they get done with Secret Wars and like their next mm. Avengers movie and they could start, I really think their big thing is, do they nail Fantastic Four and the X-Men? Because that's going to carry hey. them mm. forward for a long time if they can nail that. So it'll Agreed. be it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, Marvel's kind of at the point now where people will hate on them just to hate, but also not everything they do is good. Yeah. So it's like it's it's a fair game now, but definitely Guardians three wraps a good bow on their trilogy. And I think for the time being was the win Marvel needed. And now it's up to them to like, okay, you were given this great movie that doesn't tie into your big universe. How do you do now tying in all this other stuff that you have forward? So it's, I think the real litmus test for them is going to be how the, the Marvel's movie does. Cause that's going to be like, if that movie does great and you'll get some people will hate it cause it's female leads. Like I get it. Look, this is the world we live in. There will be some people Mm -hmm. who won't like it, but also it's like, yeah, it has to be a good movie. You cannot miss on that. That that's sort of, and I'm glad they pushed it back. I'm so glad they pushed it back to November and are like, let's make it look good. Let's make sure that we're not rushed. Cause it was going to come out in two months from now. And it's like, that's Don't, right yeah. yeah it was supposed to come out in july and then after ant-man had the kind of rough opening it did people were and people were saying like you pushing out too much stuff they're like okay let's push it back and let's only do two shows this year which is going to be the nick fury one uh the secret war or secret invasion which looks good yeah and looks more grounded kind of looks more like uh winter soldier style and mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. loki season two which now is getting delayed to october because they don't know what they're going to do with you know with uh kang showing up in it so mm-hmm. but it's good though it's like you know what push stuff back you don't need to rush anything you are marvel mm. you could drop a movie whenever the heck you feel like it true they Absolutely. probably they probably should have dropped this before ant-man to be honest they should have just <laughs> pushed ant-man and been like let's do all the goodwill with this and then see what we do with with ant-man but <laughs> Maybe I, I, maybe I guarantee you there were some people like you said who were just like after the Ant-Man movie were like I'm not going to see Marvel again in yeah I'll wait so but no man like you said all, all, overall I think I, I this to me I, I agreed with I saw someone on Twitter say their two favorite trilogies are the OG Star Wars and this and it's because they're so mm-hmm. similar but also so different and he goes and it's okay to have favorite trilogies you don't have to only pick one over the other and Yes, I think for a generation, this is like their OG Star Wars trilogy, you know, for younger people who maybe didn't grow up on those, but grew up on Guardians. And I know for me personally, as someone who likes Star Wars later in life, the Guardians kind of got me excited to revisit the Star Wars movies. So, um, Mm. but yeah, man, this has been an important one to me. I got figures all over the place, my office, once I get it set up. But yeah. Nice. I, I love this third movie. I've loved this series. And for like my own personal rankings, I'd go like volume one, three and two. I think that's how I would rate it. I think that's fair. Um, sorry, I'm just looking around my room because I do have a um, Star-Lord Nerf gun somewhere. And I don't know where oh, I've yeah, put it. I, gotta, <laughs> I just got the new jacket. Uh, oh, yeah. Family Christmas card is going to be Guardians this year. So. Nice. Looking forward. I remember getting getting one of those for a fancy dress party and it was yeah. a lot of fun wearing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome, man. And I just wanted to get you just uh, made me think of something I saw today, actually, when you mentioned it being similar to the original Star Wars trilogy. 
Uh, I want to give a shout out to Matt Ferguson on Twitter, who does amazing poster work. You may have oh, heard God. of him. Yeah, I, I saw you, the same one and retweeted. You saw it. the same it's one. So yeah, good. he he oh. basically listeners go and check it out. He's done all three Guardians posters, but he's done it in the style of all three of the original Star Wars posters, and they're fantastic. Uh, I own the them, New Hope Guardians one. Uh, I yes. have it in my office. Yeah, it's um, it's not on like a canvas. It's on like on a like a different type of material, but. I was like, oh my God, these are, this is so, and then when now he just did the, the third one, I'm like, oh, man, beautiful chef's kiss. It looks great. <laughs> yeah. He does amazing work anyway, but yeah, that, that I wanted to shout out because it, it really fits the, the tone of that. It just looks gorgeous. Um, and yeah, as you say, I think does kind of neatly sum up perhaps why people like it so much mm-hmm. as you say, it is a, a loving homage in many ways to, to Star Wars and to the sort of space opera genre if you will um it's been just a breath of fresh air in the guard in the uh the marvel canon every single time they bring one out it's just brilliant man and i i want to thank you nick for bringing it to the podcast because it's it's such a delight to kind of revisit all of this oh man thank you and i've been looking forward to doing stuff with you so this was a good first uh (laughs) podcast to do together i was glad when you're like hey let's talk guardians i'm like sweet looking forward to that i can't wait brilliant so I guess really to take us home then, Nick, uh, I'll throw it over to you. Where can the good people find you? Yes. Yeah, so um, I have uh, on Twitter, if you want to uh, follow me, I'm at NickFlixPod. And uh, mm-hmm. that is my podcast, NickFlixPodcast, um, that I'll have you on down the road. I'm looking forward to that. Like everything, yeah. trying to make our schedules work. You've been flexible, which I appreciate. But yeah, if you so want right. to. Hit me up on there and give my podcast a listen. It's a movie podcast, and this is the I've already done a Guardians one little spotlight episode, but this this mm-hmm. has been fun actually getting to talk about the whole series. And like you said, it'll air hopefully when people have, a lot of people have seen it. But we did give you a warning. Yeah. So after like the forty five minute mark, that's on you if you keep, if you keep listening without seeing the movie. So, but Agreed. yeah, if you want to <laughs> hit me up on there, man. And hey, thank you so much again for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. And yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping on your show. I will, of course, be shouting that out as and when we get to that. And uh, I'll put links in the show notes as always for everybody. So all that's left to say is just thank you, Nick. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, man. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of the Guardians of the Galaxy with us. I'm sure you guys listening really enjoyed that episode. Please do yourself a favor and go and check out Nick's wonderful podcast, Netflix. You can find it linked in the show notes of this episode. As we said towards the end of our conversation here, I am scheduled to go onto that podcast. And what we've got lined up is a ton of fun. So I will be highlighting that as and when it comes out. But in the meantime, you should just go and check it out because it's a really fun podcast. And there have, in fact, been a few guests of this podcast on that podcast. So there's some jumping off points for you there. And what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Make sure you get in touch with myself and Nick. Both of our social medias can be found in the show notes of this episode, and we would love to hear from you. For myself, there is Instagram, Twitter, email, and Discord. I will be setting up a Discord page just for this topic, so make sure you jump in there and let me know what you think. I would genuinely love to hear from you. You can, of course, reach me via any of those means if you just want to discuss the podcast in general or leave me some positive feedback. Either way, I would love to hear from you. So once again, links are in the show notes for that. If you would like to support the podcast, then please consider a few simple ways of doing so. The first one is free and it's the most effective 
and that is just to tell somebody. I really don't mind who or how you go about doing that, whether it's word of mouth, social media, or just blasting it over some speakers as you wander around somberly in the base of nowhere. Either way, I don't mind. It really just helps to get the podcast out there, and it's something that I can't do without your help. So please make sure that you do that. You can, of course, head over to your favorite podcatcher and leave me a lovely five-star review, as quite a few people have done. And if you would like to join them, then just do it. Let me know you've done it, and I will make sure to shout you out on the very next episode of the podcast. And finally, if you want to throw in some money to help with the financial costs of running the podcast, then I would be so grateful. And there are just a few simple links in the show notes. They include a coffee donation page and merch stores, both TeePublic and Redbubble. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, whether this is your very first episode or if you've been listening now for quite a while. I sincerely appreciate you giving me your time. It's absolutely invaluable and it's not something I ever take for granted. So thank you. To my regular listeners, I just want to apologize for the delay in this episode. Life has been pretty busy for me lately, and it just took me a bit of time to get around to editing this episode and putting the final touches on it. But I really do appreciate your patience. And uh, with that in mind, I would just like to make a quick announcement here just to say that I am going to take a few weeks break before I come back. I have got some other guests and episodes lined up all of which are just incredible and I'm so excited to share them with you but I just need a bit of a break so I'm going to take that in the meantime there are plenty of episodes for you to catch up on as well as all of my fabulous guests and all of their incredible podcasts and music and anything else that they create I mean I'm just really privileged to speak to some very talented people so if you haven't already go back have a listen check it all out and then keep an eye on this feed because I will be back in a few weeks time as I said with some brilliant guests and topics for you to enjoy so until then take good care of yourselves go and check out Nick's podcast go and check out Guardians of the Galaxy volume 3 and I will meet you right back here for some more fascinating discussions around pop culture take care